Hey, y'all. Welcome to the People Purpose Podcast, the show that explores all of the ins and outs, challenges and opportunities, HR, people managers, and all people face at work every day. I am one of your co-hosts, and I sound kind of winded. I'm sorry about that. Chaz Fields, and I am with my friend who is not at home again. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, home is wherever the heart is, Chaz. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I uh, today I'm up, up near headquarters uh, for, for UKG. Uh, Julie Devlin, by the way. I was going to say yeah, yeah, your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, Chaz, uh, I'm just going to go for it here and just say it. Uh, I'm going to tell you something good because I am super stoked. <laughs> I didn't want to ask. Um, I didn't no, want to ask. I'm I know you're fired up today. I this am is good. fired up. I'm happy. I can't even believe this is real life. Um, now, when this, so whatever the outcome of the World Series is, will when this episode airs, it will have already been uh, determined. But um, for those of you who have listened, uh, thank you for listening. I am a massive Phillies fan to the point that I don't miss a game, uh, Chaz. And, ever, uh, ever, ever, by the way, ever, ever. yeah. So uh, no matter where I am in the world, I'll listen to the game. I'll watch it on my phone. I'll watch it on my computer, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's been 11 years, Chaz, since the Phillies have even made the playoffs. And I got to go to an NLCS game at in Philadelphia, which was awesome. Um, and then, Chaz, uh, the Phillies are in the World Series. So, again, this is going to air. At, at the Astros are good. You know, whatever happens, happens. But the fact of the matter is that we're here. I can't even believe this is real life. That's funny. I, I I just you know Chaz, Dr. Chris Mullen, who is the head of the Workforce Institute, is uh-huh. also from Philadelphia, as I uh, originally am, and he texted me this morning and he said, "I'm still in shock," and I said, <laughs> "I think all of Philadelphia is because the thing is." We know that being Philadelphia sports fans, things don't always go our way. So we don't know how to feel when things are good. And, I, and when I things are bad, you're down real bad. Well, okay. when things are bad, you just you chop it up to this is our life. Yeah. Um, but when things are good, <laughs> I don't know how to feel. So I just feel this euphoria. They do say it's one of the best fan bases in uh, all of sports, but it's also one of the worst fan bases in all of sports. And I can agree because I'm a Yankees fan. So I I know, I know that life. Oh no, Chaz, we're going to lose listeners. That's okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. kidding. Uh, Well, I'm excited for you, Jules. That's that's fun. It's been a lot of fun to watch the series, even though the Yankees got swept, um, you know, shed a little bit of a tear. Sorry. uh, Just, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if the Phillies get swept because the Astros are a formidable team. They're, They're so, so good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for my something good, uh, this is kind of weird to say, but uh, I f- I'm feeling better, uh, okay. which is good. Uh, I had the Rona for the third time. So, <laughs> but it's not as bad as the first two. So yeah. it's, it's I, you more know like what? a I'm cold. Doing- yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, the headache is relentless to to some degree, but you know what? Uh, there are worse things in life, and I'm just trying to keep a positive attitude. So, uh, if if I were to compare it to the first two times, oh man, I'm on cloud nine right now. Like it's yeah. it's great. So, um, yeah. But my something goods, I'm on the uptick. I feel much much better. Uh, I, it was so funny when you called me on Friday last week. You're like, "Are you sick again?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah again." And you're like, oh. <laughs> Well, quit getting sick. I'm like, I live on an airplane. Like, what do you expect? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, you. it's just one of those things. But uh, anyways, hey, so Julie, let's jump in. We're four minutes in already. Tell me yeah. the business side of the day. 
All right. So from Qualtrics, 90% Chaz of employees are more productive with gamification and 72 of them report uh, that it inspires them to work harder. And 95% of them actually enjoy gamification. So game playing at work. Interesting. Now, so so my first thoughts about this, I'm not shocked, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not shocked. No. So, so a lot of people don't know this about me, but the way that I relax, I actually play video games when I have time and I genuinely enjoy it. And if there's a way to make work competitive or things about work competitive through gamification, I'm all in. Like yeah. I am, I don't like to lose. Uh, it's it's a it's very very hard for me to lose. Now I'm not a sore loser, but I'm like, oh, we could have done that better. It's like the coach yeah. in me, you yeah. know, former athlete in me that I'm like, oh, I would have done that differently, and I'll sit on it for a while. What are you? What What are your thoughts? Well, so my thoughts on gamification are this: I'm not a big video game person, um, but I don't think obviously that needs to be the only type of gamification, right? I mean, right. it can be simple, um, but mm-hmm. I think about gamification and how keeping score or getting to quote unquote win makes us feel more motivated. And I think that can translate into the workplace. And the example that I was actually telling you earlier, Chaz, that that I'll share with the audience for many, many years, I've ridden the Peloton and um, I I stopped for a while, uh, but I've recently, you know, picked it back up and Mm -hmm. they have a new feature and I'm not sure how new it is, but it's called lane break. And lane break, long story longer, is that it is uh, it keeps score as you go and you have to almost play a game as you're riding the bike. And that has completely changed my outlook on it's provided more motivation for me. So I think that that translates into the workplace as well, you know, providing that extra little incentive to do well. No, that's, that's really interesting because I, you know, at UKG, we do this um, startup program. I know you're a mentor in the startup program. I'm a mentor for a different company within that startup program. And the startup that I'm working with actually gamifies, uh, you know, training and development or just mm-hmm. random facts or, you know, just questions like logic questions. And it's a separate kiosk. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really interesting because when I when I saw the the concept and and was asked to be a part of that program and, and mentor these folks, uh, I was just really, really impressed. I was like, I would totally do this. Yeah. I would totally do this. And it and it just keeps you on your toes, right? It just keeps you on your toes with what's going on in the workplace. And if it yeah. is training or development related or something within your job, just makes it more fun versus just sitting down and clicking through modules. You know what I mean? hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's really what it's about. You know, what are the things that motivate us? But I think it's a great segue into our topic today, because I think that our topic today can uh, really, uh, sort of go alongside gamification. And today we're going to talk about types of surveys at work. Um, And I know that may sound boring, but we're going to try to not make it boring. Um, So I think it's important for us to set the stage uh, when it comes to surveys at work. And what I would challenge you, uh, the listeners, think about the last time you took a survey at work and your sentiments surrounding it. And also think about the outcomes of that survey. After you took it, how did you feel? Did it take too long, et cetera? You know, there are lots of different kinds of surveys at work, um, and I think it's important for us to recognize them, too, because you obviously have your opinion surveys, and those are important um, to really, you know, figure out what employee sentiment about a certain topic would be. And then your employee engagement surveys, obviously, those are the ones that folks all have heard of before. 
It's the buzz, um, the buzzword survey of yeah, the, the, buzzword the last survey. five years. Yeah, 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 years. yeah. I mean, uh, satisfaction surveys, uh, surveys surrounding the kind of culture at an organization. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think when I think of employment surveys, when I think of surveys that you may take at work, I also think about other things that go up beyond the quote unquote traditional. So like stay interviews and exit interviews and, and surveys surrounding things like open enrollment. Yeah. Um, and organizational development. So um, what, what do you think? Yeah. So, so that's really interesting with those because they, there, there's a volume of survey. Like I have a tolerance for volume mm-hmm. of surveys and that's, yeah. that's where, when you pose the question earlier, think about how long they are for me, it's about volume. And, and if it's so many surveys that, Honestly, you just get survey fatigued or yeah. burnt out of surveys. And I mean, there's a lot of research and a lot of, you know, blogs and forums and things that talk about surveys. But it's it's really interesting because this idea of what a survey is, is to either engage or disengage your people, right? There's, it's, it's, I, I mean, if you, if you can prove me otherwise, but the idea. Well, I don't know about disengage. I don't know about disengage. I think, I think a lot of times organizations think that the survey is going to improve engagement. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe when I say disengage though, maybe it's a topic that is saying, okay, we're doing this one last time to ensure that nobody else cares about it or, you know, a select few care about it. And then mm-hmm. it's time to just get rid of the survey. So it's, it's not necessarily disengaging the people it's disengaging from the survey. Right. 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 Does it make sense? I, I guess yeah. I should clarify on that. And this idea that, um, you know, there's, there's these other types of surveys, right? Like you think about pulse surveys, which is a formal engagement survey. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea behind it is to provide consistent feedback, um, outside of the the standard survey period, right? And and there's actually poll surveys are getting a lot of flack, and and the reason they're getting a lot of flack is because they're we've lost intentionality in our one on one meetings. We've lost intentionality with our manager meetings. We've lost intentionality or purpose behind what a meeting actually exists. Hashtag go listen to our meetings episode. <laughs> there's a lot of grievances that are aired, you know, amongst people who have spoken to us about it. But I also think about probably one of my favorite surveys that that we do here at UKG um, is the manager effective survey, the manager experience survey, I think is what we're calling it now. This is a really, really special survey, um, you know, at UKG without sounding too much like an ad, everyone deserves a great manager, right? Yep. It was a, it was an Aaron Ain initiative, our former CEO. Uh, it's a Chris Todd initiative, our current CEO. And the idea behind this survey is, you know, Julie, you and I report to Teresa. Okay. And we have a third uh, colleague, Erica, mm-hmm. all three of us take this survey to essentially talk about our experience with Teresa, what it is, do we like it? What could change? You know, yeah. there's a, there's several questions that we go through a lot of them around communication and what makes this survey so special is the results actually go to her boss, Dr. Chris Mullen, executive director of the Workforce Institute. And if anything about this survey that is liked or disliked, Chris gets to review it all, all our feedback. And what's, you know, typically people go down the negative path and say, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. I dislike my manager or whatever. Um, Teresa is obviously not that way. We love Teresa. (laughs) We adore Teresa. She's an amazing manager. In fact, everybody should replicate what she does. Um, 
but it's it's really really important because we get to share all of the positive things too. Mm-hmm. So when Chris goes through the results from our team and says, "Okay, Teresa, like here's a couple of areas you can prove. Oh, by the way, here's all of the positive feedback that yeah. you've received." Man, talk about a power position for her to think about, man, I am doing the things or, or doing the things that my team loves that we may not always go to her in our one-on-ones and say, you know what, you're doing a really, really great job. Right. Because managers don't generally hear those kind of things in one-on-one right. meetings and employees mm-hmm. generally don't feel like they can take a role of saying, oh, you're doing a great job as my manager. Because in a way that may come off as sounding condescending, right? Yeah. Um, so the manager effective uh, ind- effectiveness index survey that we do is essentially a survey that uh, when folks get their performance reviews, like at, generally at an organization, yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes they say, well, when am I able to, uh, you know, review my manager, right? right? So this is the way that we get to review managers. So we don't even have to answer that question. But, you know, I think, you know, sort of moving on, Chaz, um, when we talk about surveys, I think that a lot of times organizations feel that when they put out a survey, it's going to answer all of the questions that they have, right? Um, and especially things when it uh, like when it comes to employee engagement mm-hmm. and when it comes to um, you know just making sure that the culture is a good one. Yeah. I think we focus on assuring engagement rather than improving engagement. Um, so the question becomes: If employees take a survey and they say they're not engaged, then what? No, that's a. That, I want you to say that again, right? Because you know, you said the orgs feel when they put out a survey, it answers all of the questions that they want, and it, right. I think that's completely wrong in a lot of sense from the employee's perspective. You know what I mean? And uh, I love that you said we, we focus on assuring engagement rather than improving engagement. Yeah. So if if we're not doing that, what? And the answer is, if you're going to rely on a survey, you better do something about it. Exactly. Exactly. You better do something about it. So, you know, we've talked about this before action versus inaction. How many times have we been in the experience where someone would take a survey, not here at UKG, but in former jobs or people we've talked with, Mm -hmm. we do this survey or you do this survey and all of a sudden nobody says anything. Not even a, hey, by the way, it's going to take us some time to respond to these issues. Right. And that's what employees are looking for. It's not to say, hey, look, we're going to change everything, flip a switch overnight. It's that, hey, this is going to take us some time to respond. Know that we care about you and communicating that timeline, but holding yourself to it when you create that action plan. And we know what happens, right? We know that if we don't do anything, people are going to say, well, they forgot about us. Well, survey fatigue is going to set in tremendously faster because, hey, they're not going to do anything about it. And eventually you get to the point of surveys not even being responded to, right? Right, And, and that leads me to kind of our second point. How do we know if our surveys are effective? Okay, that's that's a, that's a really tough question. So there's a there was a research study done by Leadership IQ, um, and there's a dissonance between employees and management. And this is probably not shocking to you and I and some of our listeners, but from this survey, 52% of senior managers, by the way, this was over 3,000 people that were surveyed, 52% of senior managers felt it provided an accurate assessment, while 48% of employees did not feel it provided an accurate assessment of the environment, right? Right, Right. (laughs) because a lot of times it depends on the questions that are asked. Right. Um, And then employees might ask, you know, why, why are they asking this question? They're not going to do anything about it. Or this has nothing to do with me. 
right? Right, right, exactly. Or my area of work. So I think about like, what what about the employees who hate surveys or don't trust that they're anonymous? Yeah, I think that a lot of times I remember actually when I was a, a practitioner giving mm-hmm. surveys and I, I would say, hey, you know, these surveys are anonymous or whatever. And I would get looked at like, yeah, right. It's not going to be anonymous. <laughs> I'm like, well, it, no, it is. But I think that, you know, we have to think about why would it be that someone would be afraid to provide the feedback? That's, you know, that's a culture problem. That's a that's the bigger question. Look, I've seen uh, having a, a software implementation background and, and looking at different products in a former life. A lot of those survey tools, even though they say they're anonymous, someone somewhere can see the answers because they have to. That, well, and I'm not right. trying. I'm not trying to do a fear based you know discussion here, but they have to. So is that individual issuing it or that individual reading it going to um, be disclosed about the answers? Can they be trusted? You know, and that's what's driving employees skepticism because so-and-so is friends with so-and-so and and they heard from so-and-so that that's Mm -hmm. the answer. Go ahead. It begs the question though, is for it, for matters of importance where someone would feel uh, afraid to provide feedback, should yep. we be giving a survey or should we be having a one-on-one conversation or departmental wide conversations, et cetera? <laughs> right. Because again, you know, the, the surveys go into a much larger, um, a larger thing. And I mean, the other thing too, Chaz, and something that I, I wanted to mention is that a lot of people just don't like taking surveys. Think about, I, you know, I did challenge the audience, think about the last time you took a workplace survey, but think about the last time you took a survey in general. After right. we buy stuff, you know, uh, a little thing will pop up and say, oh, hey, will you review it? You know, if it, if it gives me five stars, I'll click that button. But then if it asks me for feedback afterwards, heck no, I don't have time to type it in, right? So right. This, is, this is how the how consumerism and we've talked about this before how consumerism shapes our experience as employees and our expectations as employees that's right that's because right what, yeah because we're used to you know getting these pop-up surveys uh after we purchase something or you know even taking surveys on the internet for certain things right um we can get it out yeah i get i get notifications from um the the dot right? Hey, you bought this product so-and-so, you know, however long ago, how would you rate it? That's easier for me to do. Now I'll, I'll share a story that I fly with a particular airline, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, it's, and, and I love working with this particular airline. Now I have very few issues with the airline that I fly, but when I do, what's so nice about it is number one, before I get on the phone with the person, it's, Hey, there's a two question survey. So they tell me the survey's coming. All right. That's that's important to me. Mm-hmm. The second piece is the individual who I speak with is telling me, hey, if you are happy with the service, can you take the two question survey? Mm-hmm. Right. So to some degree, that's biased because if it is poor service, they don't want me taking the survey. But at the same time, I get where they're coming from. Right. And the best part, it's two questions. OK. Right. Did you get the answers you need? And was your problem solved, right? That's kind of one question, two questions in one, you know, mm-hmm. yes or no. And then the second question is, would you want to speak to this individual again for future, you know, future uh, endeavors or future issues? Yes, absolutely. And I'm done. Right. And I feel so accomplished because one, they solved my problem, right? And two, because they solved my problem, hey, I would love to pick up and I get prioritized to those individuals in the future. That to me is something so easy to create an action plan around and they use it 
through an automated service. So yeah. it's there's no extra heavy lift for that organization. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm thinking back to times where I've gotten my car serviced and mm. I get my car serviced at a particular dealership and this dealership relies 100% on employees or I'm sorry, customer survey feedback in order yeah. to rate their employees. So I remember at the end of every time I would get my oil changed or whatever, they would always like badger me to take the survey because if sure. I didn't take the survey, then that actually hurts them. So there's lots of different, uh, I think, intricacies when we think about surveys. And I think the most important thing about what we have to do, you know, when it comes to them is we have to make sure that surveys are questioned to be providing the answers that we want. So again, mentioning when you get a, a you know five-star review, right? You can just click a button for stars, mm -hmm. but then it asks you for more information. Are employees really going to give you that more information or should you structure the questions on the surveys that you ask to already provide the answers that you're looking for? So let me say it differently. What I'm hearing you say is you can't expect to give employees all of the answers you want as the survey issuer. That's what you're saying. So I'm saying as a survey issuer, I'm giving a survey for a reason and right. I want, and I, I'm looking for feedback on mm. a, for a particular thing. Yep. I can't give yes and no answer. I can't have yes and no answers or I can, but I have to structure my questions, my survey to be questions specific. Yeah. to be specific enough to where a yes or no answer is going to suffice to provide me the information that I'm looking for. Yeah. Because, because again, we can't rely on our employees to type things in. That's a good point. I think about, you know, when, and, and you probably remember this too, when we were doing our masters, um, you know, you, you had to do some research within that. And what I semi remember was the 80, 20 rule, you know, mm -hmm. can you find 80% of commonality in the responses, whatever your test base is, and then the 20%. So I think about the practitioners or managers that are listening to this, it's based on what you just described can get very nuanced, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't do the specific question that can be yes or no. And then if you go the broader route with the feedback, what's 80% of your people saying? Like, right. what, what is it? What is the commonality that 80% of your people are saying? So then you can drive that organizational change or even a, a small change. Does that make sense? It does. But I also think that even if you have 80% of your people saying one thing and 20% of them saying another thing, you, we can't dismiss that 20%. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I just think if, if the broader issue, right? Of course, we absolutely need to address all of the issues. But if 80 people are saying, hey, this is awful. Mm -hmm. Right. Shouldn't we try and tap in there depending on timing and, yeah. and funding and all of that? That's that's where I'm coming from. I agree with you that I don't care if it's five percent. You know, it's right. five percent of people that we should try and and accommodate or or change their environment for the better of the organization and them. Yeah. You know, I think there's also with surveys, there's this there's there's a culture around it. Do you want to talk about that? Like survey culture, if you will? Yeah, well, the culture of fear, which I talked about before. Um, but I think this culture that I, I also wanted to point out is when are you timing wise giving these surveys? That's a good one. It's important yeah. to know that you can't or you shouldn't be reactive in providing a survey. So, so often organizations have this culture of problem, survey, nothing done, right? Right. Like you're going to give a survey, B 
because you have identified that there's a problem. What if we took a different approach and we, that approach was let's provide surveys before there's a problem. It's, it's the whole men, it's the whole mentality of what I think that HR needs to be taking a futuristic viewpoint. We yeah. need to look at the present. We need to learn from the past, but we need to really turn our eyes towards the future. And I think surveys are very much a part of that. Yeah. Surveys aren't the last step. They're kind of the first step or they should mm-hmm. be the first step. And if you, if you take that beyond, so like for me, I know anytime I'm issued a survey, if I'm not in a good headspace, I won't respond. But right. how many people right. who are in a negative headspace or a bad headspace, even though they may love their job or they may love the things that they're doing, you caught them on a bad day. Exactly. And, and, and you can't, and you can't, you can't predict a lot of that. However, for people like me, I'll be the first to tell you, I would much rather have a dialogue or a conversation than type something up in a survey. So yeah. that's, that's something that we go back to this intentionality component. And I think about my relationship with Teresa as my manager, she knows anything that I'm going to respond on the manager um, experience survey, because we have great one-on-ones and we're intentional about, okay, you said this, how about this? Let's find mm-hmm. some middle ground or whatever it is. And that's, I think that's the cultural difference is yeah. I don't have that fear. I don't worry about surveys coming out and thinking, oh no, somebody's going to read this and think, oh, you know, I'm going to retaliate against Chaz, whatever it is. My, the, the point in all of that is the relationship that I've developed with my manager proactively yeah. on both sides. We are both very, very proactive in that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and that's important. Re- the relationship has to be there before you're going, before you can expect to have useful feedback from something like a survey. That's man, you should write a book on that. That's a good quote. <laughs> that's a really, really good quote. On so that note, think, on that yeah. note, that's what I that's what I found my purpose in. If that's such a good quote, that's what I yeah, found my purpose okay, in. Yeah, okay, okay. You we win. have to have we have to have in person relationships before we can expect our employees or anybody really to provide us good feedback based upon a survey. It, because surveys are very cold, right? Yeah. They're they're not there's not that empathy. Surveys cannot be empathetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's no, that's maybe that's the next chapter in our book. Maybe, maybe. that's the next chapter in our book. I don't, I don't know. I, I so, so for me, the, the, the thing I found is like we're in this fast paced society, right? And we're conditioned as such. I think you need to understand and, and configure surveys to recognize that. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. If it's, if it takes me longer than five questions or five minutes to respond, you're probably not going to get the best result for you. And, and I recognize that. And it's nothing that the company is doing wrong. I'm just saying, know your people in these instances. So when you get feedback, you know, it's quality and then do something about it. Yeah, <laughs> just, absolutely. Just, just do something about it. So close this absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's close this out here. A few reminders before we leave. Don't forget to like and subscribe and use the hashtag people purpose pod on social media sites like Twitter and LinkedIn. Also be sure to check out the latest blogs and research from the Workforce Institute at UKG by visiting workforceinstitute.org. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening, y'all. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.